Good morning and welcome to another edition of the Martinez Marcillo podcast presented to you by the Stony Brook Press. I'm Daniel Marcillo here with my good friend Wilco Martinez. How's it going, Daniel? Going pretty good. We're going to get into a little NBA, a little NFL, but we're going to start with baseball here. Over the last few minutes, some of the big news has broken that the Mets are reportedly very close to acquiring not just Robinson Cano, but their stud closer, Edwin Diaz, from the Seattle Mariners. Daniel, I hear you have the inside scoop on this. Oh, I don't have the true inside scoop because reportedly um, uh, Joel Sherman from MLB Network has reported that the deal is not close, but Jeff Passan has tweeted that there is significant, uh, I'll give you the quote here, there's significant momentum towards a deal that would send Cano and Diaz from the Mariners to the Mets. Now, this is a very interesting trade because Cano is 36. He just came off of uh, 80 game suspension. 80 game suspension, but he hit still 310. He played well he put afterwards. up good numbers. And over the last few years, there hasn't really been a decline in his talent. And Edwin Diaz is a stud closer, led the American League in saves. I think he got a few Cy Young votes. Um, so at least we know in that situation what the Mariners will give up. But the Mets, it's a whole load of people. We've heard Nimmo. We've heard Jay Bruce. We've heard uh, the top prospect Jimenez in the minor leagues. Um, this is certainly more of an interesting move for the Mets to make. Um, what are you hoping for? Honestly, I, a lot of my friends here uh, feel that you know, they don't need Cano, that the kid they have right now, McNeil, who had three three thirty in his rookie season, is going to be the answer, which I think is good too. But I think what you should do, you bring him in, you try to dump uh, either Bruce's contract or you throw Dom Smith in the trade, and you take McNeil, you move him to third base because that's where he's better defensively. You put Cano at second base, and you, you're giving yourself a great chance to win, especially if you don't have to give up Syndergaard in the trade. And you, you take a stud, who's also young. I think Diaz is still 24, 25. You take a young closer, you put him in that Mets bullpen. You're talking about a guy who's 36, as you said. He has $120 million left on his contract, I think, over the next five years, I want to yes. say. There's a risk with that. And, well, this is, the thing is in the trade is that, in this trade, the only way the Mets are going to make it is if the Mariners say, all right, we're going to eat, we're going to pay 60 to 75 or some some type of percentage of this contract. Because, yeah, obviously, the guy's going to be 36. You're looking at the Albert Pujols-type contract where now he's 41 and he's still making almost $30 million. Um, but Cano, I, he's still a top-five second baseman in baseball. Um, I think he definitely would push the Mets in the right direction considering – they need a big bat, and Cano really has never missed many games due to injury other than, you know, his suspension. The guy will play hundred, at least 150 games a year, even as he's pushing age 36, which is a young 36 because the guy played only half a season last year, mm. not because of injury but because of suspension. Um, I think this puts him in a good spot to win potentially next season. Um, I know a lot of people have said Nimmo. They don't want to trade him. But to me, if you're going to open up some cap space here and you get rid of Jay Bruce in this trade, you could bring in Bryce Harper. Now you bring in Bryce Harper. That Not only do you have to wait, you have to wait a month for Cespedes to come back at least, but you put, um, you put him out there with 
And so you don't give up Nemo in this trade. So you have Harper, Nemo, or even if you do give him up, you have Harper out there. You have Cano's bat out there. Um, hopefully the young kid they got Alonzo comes up and hits. But I think you're definitely going to see a better offense than the brutal one this team put out last year. I mean, of course, that's um, assuming that Harper Harper ends up signs here. with the Mets, which is going to be a long shot. But I think this trade will definitely be telling of their direction because if they end up dumping a salary like Bruce's or if they dump it a, some type of salary in this trade, I think they're going to be aggressive towards Harper. But if you know they're just trading prospects and Nemo, who's still making not I think in the 100,000s figures, um, I, I think they're going to probably be a little more lenient with them. But this is... And not only are the Mets in this trade, but the Yankees are interested in bringing back Cano. And he he does kind of fit on this team um, because he can play all the infield positions except shortstop. And I think they're looking for to move Glaber to shortstop, Glaber Torres to shortstop, and put Cano there just for the time being because Gregorius is going to be out for the entire, I think, first half at least of the season because he had to get Tommy John surgery on his elbow. But I think if you, I think Cano in that stadium, we've already seen what he did. The guy hit 309 with 204 home runs as a Yankee. Um, but personally to me, I think he's better situated to be on the Mets right now, along with Diaz. Diaz is definitely going to be a huge, huge addition for the Mets if they can get him because their bullpen was one of the worst in baseball last year. Right. And um, so in my opinion, I hope they get him. Uh, I know my dad and my friends are sort of just say, hey, he's 36. You know, we have Jeff McNeil. Um, you know, I think we're better off staying young because this team is one of the older teams. But, um, you know, I, I hope I, I personally hope they get him. And I think I, I want him because you're going to get Diaz in this trade. That's that's why I really want him. All right, well, let's move into a little NBA here. Talk about the New York Knicks getting their butts whooped last night by the Philadelphia 76ers. Was it a 30-point loss basically last <clears throat> it night? It was, and um, I think you could tell from very early on in the game that this was going to be a blowout. The Sixers were getting the shots that they wanted. Um, the Knicks were making tough shots for the most part, but the Sixers, they were just getting into their offense easily, getting shots at the rim, getting three points, three-pointers, whenever they wanted. Yep. Um, you know, I think it's to be expected, though. Philly yeah. is one of the best teams in the East. The Knicks, arguably, one of the worst. Yeah, you, you look at both offenses run, and the 76ers offense flows. You see a handful of times in the first half, J.J. Reddick coming off the screen, and he's mm -hmm. making a shot. You'll see how much more talented just the Sixers are with Jimmy Butler and Embiid and Simmons. And even their bench players, even their role players, like Wilson Chandler, I forgot... I didn't know he was even back in the league yet. <laughs> but, you know, he's always been a useful player, and, you know, he's got a starting role here on the Sixers. And I know it was a blowout last night, but if you look at uh, their box scores here, only one guy played 30 or more minutes, and that was Embiid who sat exactly yep. at 30. And still in 30 minutes, 26 points, 14 rebounds, 7 assists, geez. I mean, we're talking about an MVP candidate here in Joel Embiid. Well, the issues always were. Can't, one, can he stay healthy? And now that he's healthy last year, was he able to play, you know... Significant minutes. Significant minutes, more back-to-backs, you know. And not, now he is, though. Yeah, for them to win a championship, he needs to play 
him and Simmons got to play 35, 36 minutes, maybe not to beat some of the teams in the East, mm-hmm. but if you want to beat the Warriors, you want to beat, you know, any of these Western Conference teams, they're going to push you to the limit, especially, you know, the Warriors as well. But back to the Knicks, you know, it's the it's obviously the rebuilding process. Uh, Mario Hazanjic came out guns blazing the first, first quarter. Um, you know, after I think it was a stretch of six just dreadful games where he only, I think, went two for 16 or something – very yeah. low percentage from the field. Um, Ennis Cantor had a good night as well, which is sort of expected that he's going to put up close to a double-double every night. But, you know, it's... I mean, you look at some of these players. Tim Hardaway Jr., five points in 27 minutes. Very, very streaky player. Moutier, three and 20. Ke- Kevin Knox, who is, I mean, I guess, you know, I think with Kevin Knox, he's still so young. He was one of the youngest players coming into the yeah. draft. Put up nine points, but I think you expect more from him. Um, I'm not sure that David Fisdale has handled him correctly all season long. It seems like after his injury, which was, I believe, an ankle injury, uh, yeah, if I'm not mistaken. It was one of the first few games of the season, too. And then he's never really um, gotten back into rhythm after yeah. that. I, I think I think it was definitely tough that he, he had a little bit of a setback um, with that ankle injury. Then they brought him back, and they don't really know if he's a starter material yet. But I know for sure that Hazanja, he did have a good game last night, but I he's not starter material he's not. for the Knicks. I think you got to give um, either Trier a chance to get back in the lineup or or uh, Dotson because Dotson played good in his he minutes played well. last night. He he's a scorer, that's for sure. He's not much of a defender, but you know I think he's definitely going to give you more than what Hazanja gives you in the lineup. Mm. And even you give Knox another opportunity to start. Um, but it, when you watched this game last night, you saw there was a bunch of just things that experienced teams don't do. Is that's that the Knicks were doing? They were getting in a lot of foul trouble. Um, you know, you could tell Cantor, Robinson, really all their bigs were having a tough time yep. trying to contain Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid. Um, and even even their threes trying to guard Ben Simmons. You know, that's not an easy task for them to do as well. There's not really a true lockdown defender on this team and Lance Thomas was thought of to be as that guy, but he's just he's not, not really much yep. of an offensive player as well. And, you know, you're going to need a true scorer on this team, which, uh, which is why I think this team is sort of, you know, just going to coast in this losing with these losing records until mm. Porzingis comes back. Um, Let's get into um, one of the trades that broke yesterday. The only trade actually Kyle Korver, Back to Utah. He was there from 2007 till 2010. Um, Cleveland get Alec Burks and two future second-round picks in 2020 and 2021. I think this is a good trade for the Utah Jazz. It's an all right trade for Cleveland. I mean, I don't think you could expect to get too much for Korver, who's 37. Well, they're going to try to stockpile picks. Yeah. That's that's exactly their process. Which, you know, I know that a lot of people are a bit skeptical about that. But I think it's a very valuable strategy. We saw that with the Sixers in the past few years. And there's definitely a lot of talent that falls to the second round. Always um, the biggest example, probably Nikola Jokic, who is now one of the best centers in the league. And I believe he was, what, 41st pick? And, you know, um, there's... There's always a lot of talent that's left in that second round of the draft. Even, like, the Knicks, Trier, he wasn't even drafted. Yep. You know, Robinson... 
you know, a great defensive player, not really much on offense, but mm -hmm. second-round pick. Um, and I, I, I do like this trade for the Jazz. You know, you're giving up, was it, two second-rounders, was it? Yep. Cleveland, like I said, they're going to try to stockpile their picks because obviously LeBron just left that team mm -hmm. in shambles. Um, but you put him in this lineup with Donovan Mitchell, with Joe Ingles. You know, these are – Ingles is a – sharpshooter from the outside Mitchell can really do it all out there mm. and you open up the floor a little bit more because now teams you know how hot Corver can get yep. if you leave him open constantly and now that's only going to open up the paint more maybe you'll see Gobert show his dominance in the paint more getting more offensive rebounds you'll see Mitchell able to drive and kick more often or drive and just take a defender one-on-one -on -one. because even with Ingles on the floor it was easier for it was still easy for teams to sort of help out on Donovan Mitchell whenever mm. he would drive, or even Rubio when he drives and tries to create for someone. But now that you have a shooter out there, which, you know, Ingles is a good shooter, but now Corver is really a Hall of Fame quality type shooter. He is. And uh, as you said, this gives Utah so many more options when it comes to their lineup. Um, coming into the beginning of the week, they were 29th in the three point percentage, which mm -hmm. is the second lowest in the league. Yeah. Obviously, terrible. Ricky Rubio, who I think is a great player, but he just cannot shoot the ball. Ingles, yes, he can get hot, but he's not really a guy that teams are going to focus on yeah. all that much. So now with Corver, you can definitely space the floor a lot more. It opens up possibilities in terms of flexible lineups. You can go yeah. smaller with um, you know, with Mitchell, Rubio, Ingles, Corver, and someone like Derek Favors yeah. or Rudy Gobert. And, and Corver's shown he's he's not going to lock anybody up over his career, but he's he's a very capable defender. He's, he's going to make an effort. He's a solid NBA basketball player. Um, and if you put him in this line, if you put him, let's say, mock lineup here, you have Mitchell, Ingles, Corver, you know, you go Jay Crowder and Gobert. Mm -hmm. You have four guys who can really do a lot of damage on the perimeter. Uh, Crowder's a solid defender. And you're really giving Mitchell a lot of room to operate here. And Ingles, you know, he's had a good season. He's had a good career. He's averaging 12 a game. He leads a team in minutes played. Um, and I think I don't think Corey's going to start over him, but you bring him off yep. the bench maybe to take out Ingles. Because once you t take him out of the lineup, there's no sharpshooter. Mm. You know, if you look at... If you look at the team here, you have Ingles shooting 38% from three, but Mitchell's struggling at only 28. Rubio's somehow shooting better than 30, 31, 32%. But if you look at the guys who constantly play, you know, there's Burks they just traded away who's shooting 37% from three, but Corver's definitely going to help this team out because um, now you, get, you can spread the floor even more than you were able to in the past. Just uh, one last note on Utah. Right now they're 10 and 12. Um, third from bottom in the Western Conference. Are you confident that they will make it to the playoffs? I think they will. Uh, I think Mitchell's certainly struggled with his jumper a little bit. Um, but I think, like I said, Corver's not going to score 25, 30 a night. Mm -hmm. But just having his presence out there is going to make a difference, you know, because teams that are like when the Knicks had Novak, everyone has to focus on this three point shooter because you don't want him to constantly. Right. Uh, get you guys from from three. Um, but even the Jazz and the Rockets are both very two underachieving teams right now. I'm not I'm not as confident in the Rockets for some reason, which sounds crazy if you consider what they did last no, season. I, I understand it. But I just I don't see how they're going to get better. Um, they got rid of Melo 
which was their scapegoat. They have not yeah. improved at all. If anything, they've gotten worse. Uh, and the their play style is, you know, it's very hit or miss. It's like mm. going for the deep ball constantly in the NFL. You know, when you shoot threes, those aren't your highest percentage shots. You know, any shots that you take in the paint are going to be your best ones, and they're really strictly the definition of threes, threes or layups. Um, and I think you got to, you know, James Harden can shoot from anywhere inside. He can get any shot he wants, so why continue to force him to settle for the three? Mm. Uh, Chris Paul gets in the paint, does whatever he wants. Um but then again, Chris Paul, he's struggled with injuries yeah. a lot this season, and he is getting up there in age. So it was definitely risky of the Rockets yeah. to just guarantee him such a long-term deal. Who'd, who'd they lose in the offseason? They lost Ariza to the Suns and Bamute to the Clippers. Yeah, that's two That's two good defenders right there. So And you and you try to replace him with Melo. And that's, uh, I mean, I'm looking at their rotation here from last night, and besides the starters... They're playing Daniel House Jr. for 23 minutes, and I mean he put up 18 points. But this is a guy who wasn't even, you know, talked about a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Gary Clark, rookie out of Cincinnati, but he put up zero points in 20 minutes, two assists. That's just not good enough. Uh, like I said, you, Ariza and uh, Mamba Mbamute, they're not, they're not scorers, but. Their presence on the court yeah. as defenders and Ariza is one of their three and D guys. You know, you lose a guy like that who you have to replace them. You can't just exactly. You can't. It's not like you can't treat him like Harden when you say, "Oh, if we lose Harden, we got to try to replace him with, you know, another guy like him." Mm-hmm. These guys are gonna be got to be treated the same way. These are your best defenders. They're guarding the Kevin Durant's, the Clay Thompsons. You know, when Kawhi Leonard was still in the West, you know, those are the guys they've got to guard. And you're asking guys like like the names you mentioned before that you know these guys aren't proven winners yet. You know, Mamba Mute has won plenty of games in the past. Ariza won a championship. Yeah. Uh, I get could be wrong. I think it was two with the Lakers. I could I could be wrong there, but you know these are proven winners. And you know it kind of looks like what the Clippers had when it was just Chris Paul and Blake Griffin. Now it's just Chris Paul and James Harden, mm-hmm. which you know you had a good point there. Where you know you had to figure out how were they gonna get themselves out of this hole because it's not like in the East where you can struggle and then all of a sudden, exactly, boom, we'll shoot up the conference. Um, and uh, just to touch on one last thing, Houston they fell to Dallas yesterday, one twenty eight to one hundred eight. I just wanna I just wanna talk about Luka Doncic for a second. That is a my pick for rookie player. of the year right now, I see, I've see. i seen him play in Europe, and I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that the Spanish league is the second best basketball league in the world. Lots of ex-NBA players, lots of ex-NCAA um, players, and he never really struggled against them. You could make a yeah. case that he was the best player in the league at 19 years of age. Did you, uh, did you ever watch him play live? Or you just um, watch him on TV? Not live, not live. Actually... No, I don't think I've watched him play live, but I've definitely watched him on TV. Um, you know, it's very accessible in yeah. Spain to watch him play. And right now, he's my rookie of the year. He put up 20 points last night, made a couple or a few <laughs> really spectacular plays. Circus shots. I um, think yeah, he's, coming he's, into the draft, lots of people question him. Um, I don't think they were right to do that at all. Uh, I, don't, I don't think they should have questioned him because the guy's different from really a lot of the European players we've seen in the past where... He is just—he was just torching everybody in the Spanish league. 
And now he comes here and he looked NBA ready from the start. Mm -hmm. He, his confidence, his composure, he's got so many moves in his bag and he's only 19 years old, but he looks like he's been in the league for five years already. He is extremely confident. And you look at the way his teammates, you know, uh, just sort of looking up to him, like as if he's been right. in the league. You know, he gets along with all his teammates. Him and DeAndre Jordan got have a great relationship. Um, him and Dennis Smith Jr., same thing as well. And I think definitely he's going to help Dennis Smith Jr.'s uh, development. And you think, you th well, the 10 and 9 right now, you think they can actually uh, – Sneak into an eight spot here. I think so. Um, I had them as my eighth seed at the beginning of the season just because I really like their offseason moves. Drafting Doncic, obviously, but they also added DeAndre Jordan. Um, I like their other pieces in Harrison Barnes, Wesley Matthews, who I think are all good players. Those are, yeah. the, those are the players really the Rockets need. Those, exactly. those, yep. those Matthews and Barnes is who they really need. Um, but again, how about those L.A. Clippers? Just somehow... Somehow in the in the number one spot, they're tied with the Warriors in terms of games, but their winning percentage is a few points better than the Warriors. How did you see this coming? Did, I have no words to really describe the type of basketball I, um, right I'm not going to lie and say that I saw this coming. I did think they were going to be a decent team just based off what they were able to do last year after the Blake Griffin trade. Um, they weren't winning a lot, but they were competitive. So, no, I didn't see this coming, but I definitely understand how it happened. I think Doc Rivers, who was questioned as a coach multiple times back when it was, um, you know, with DeAndre Jordan, Chris Paul, Blake yeah. Griffin, but now he's shown again why he is such a great coach, why he's still in the NBA, getting the best out of, the guy, out of um, you know, Tobias Harris, Lou Williams, even their rookie, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who I really liked out of yeah, Kentucky. Yeah, he's a good player. He... The the criticism he got was, I think, very unfair. Doc Rivers is one of the best coaches of this generation. And, yeah, he's taking he, – this reminds me of sort of a team that they don't have a true superstar, but they have a lot of solid quality players. Tobias Harris, quality player. Gallinari, we know how good he is from his time in New York. Bradley, he has a good relationship with Rivers. And you go all the way down, Lou Williams uh, – it's you really pencil pencil him in for sixth man of the year, and any year he's not starting for a team. Um, and you you look at this team. There's again no. You look at the Warriors. It's like the monsters, and over here this is like the Toon Squad. Um, but this team is very talented. I I don't know if they're gonna be able to do this for the whole season because I think they started off strong last year. Yeah. I, I want to say, and they sort of faded out towards the end. Um, but I don't think they'll stay in the number one spot, but I think they'll definitely uh, make the postseason this year. I just want to go back to something that you said, um, and you're completely right when you said that this is not a team of stars, but it's a lot of very good role players working together. However, uh, the 2019 free agency coming up, obviously, and the Clippers, based on everything that I've read over the past few months, they are going to be targeting a big name. You know, we're talking about Jimmy Butler. Um, Kawhi Leonard, obviously, is the biggest guy who's been on that list. Do you think that it's still worth it to do that, even when you see the success that they have had this season? I think you definitely need to get a star in here just because no teams really win. A ch they, they'll win games, but they won't win championships without a star player, uh, no matter who it is. If, if you look at the last team to really win a championship without 
a bona fide star, it's you have to go back a few years. You can even say the the Mavs with Dirk, but then again, Dirk's a superstar player, but the players around him weren't necessarily as talented as maybe LeBron's Heat, LeBron's Cavs, or uh, these Warriors teams that have won over the last few years. Um, I just want to say, in terms of the Cano trade, mm-hmm. it's been reported that the Mariners want uh, either Jared Kelnick, who is the Mets' number one draft pick over the last over uh, over last year's draft, uh, they want uh, Justin Dunn or uh, Peterson, who are two pitching prospects for the Mets. Which, personally, I'd rather not give up Kelnick, but I'd rather give up the two pitching prospects. Um, and we'll move on. You want to do a little NFL? We'll talk about Baker Mayfield a little let's bit. Do a, yeah, let's do it. All right, so Baker Mayfield's comments about Hugh Jackson, they drew, uh, they drew a bit of criticism, especially from, I think it was Damian Woody on first take. Uh, what do you think about Mayfield's comments? Look, um, I see both sides of the story, but I think, you know, we're talking about a guy who was just given the Offensive Rookie of the Month award, and he's playing very, very well right now. Um, you know, what he said, obviously it wasn't the most respectful thing to say, but yeah. when you're talking about a guy who's playing so well and who has so much potential, I think these are things that you have to let slide. And I don't think that it's worth making such a big deal about it. Um, from what I've read, it doesn't seem as though his organization is making such a big deal about it. It's just the media for the most part, which I get, you know, especially as a journalism student, I understand how this is newsworthy. But I don't think that this should amount to anything big. Yeah, I, I certainly understand both sides here. You know, Mayfield, you know, this is really, it's like you're coming, your first team into the NFL, you know, you sort of, whether people like the coach outside the organization or not, this is the first guy you're ever going to deal with in the NFL. He's going to show you the ropes, hopefully. And then he just, he does get fired, unfortunately, but all of a sudden he goes straight to your rival. Yep. Um, which I understand the frustration there, but on the other side, you got to understand, you get fired from a job. Now, what do you got to do? You got to look for for a new another job. place to go. And him and Marvin Lewis go way back. They have a good relationship, and of course, uh, Marvin Lewis brought him in. But uh, I don't know if Hugh Jackson was really going to be the guy in, in Cleveland anyway. I and don't think so. Personally, I think Mayfield's comments are sort of being blown out of proportion. Um, you know, who really cares what he says about his old coach? You know, it shouldn't mm-hmm. be that big of a deal. Um, but, yeah, it's it's sort of typical that these shows like First Take and the one Skip Bayless has on Fox, that's they got to find something to talk about within that two-hour time frame. And, right. you know, something like this is going to just get a lot of attention. Yeah, and, I mean, I'm sure that there's going to be people who are questioning, you know, his attitude and his professionalism and whatnot especially when it comes to having coaches in the future, this is always going to be something that pops back up, even if it's really a minor issue. Yeah. So I do get why people are, you know, not obsessing over it, but why they're so fixated on it. Yeah. But I really don't think it's a big deal. Yeah, ba- Baker's got that bulldog mentality, you know. It, it's more of an old-school mentality where now once you leave us, mm. you know, you're not part of my family anymore. Right. Now if you go to my rival, now I'm going to hate you. Even more. Which I don't blame him for. Yeah. And I don't know if you saw, but at the end of that game where Cincinnati was playing Cleveland, uh, Hugh Jackson goes over on midfielder mm-hmm. after the game and he shakes Mayfield's hand, sort of gives him a pat. But you could tell that Mayfield was pretty disinterested right. in the conversation. Um, 
which you know I, I get it but you know Mayfield's still young so he's still you know maybe gonna make decisions or say things that he may take back but you know I I hope uh, I, I, I hope I, I like his attitude though I, I'll take that type of attitude on my team anytime all right, you want to get into a bit of NFL predictions yeah, for this upcoming me, uh, week? We're um, running a bit short on time here. Yeah, well, let me uh, bring up these upcoming games we have this week. Which I think we got to, as usual, every game is pretty much important now, whether it's yeah. for the draft or uh, or for playoff purposes. All right, so two teams that are playing, I, th- I think, back-to-back Thursday games, the Saints against the Cowboys, and a lot of heat. High heat going on from both teams. Um, I've got the Saints winning here. Uh, they've had a fantastic season so far. They're ten and one, if I remember correctly. So I expect that to continue. I expect them to keep winning. Uh, yeah, Saints. I think are going to win this one. Uh, Cowboys have a very respectable defense, and it's unfortunate that they really need this game to continue being in first place. Um, but I think the Saints do win this game. But I wouldn't be surprised if we maybe see a fight at some point during this game. Um, I forget who the player was on the Cowboys, but he had a lot of uh, explicit things to say about the Saints, how you got to hit them. You know, they're not used to being hit in the mouth or something like that. Um, so there's definitely going to be a lot of uh, bad blood going into that game. But it could be one of the better Thursday night games we get this season. And meanwhile, it's been a Thursday night games. There have been a very, there's been an unusual amount of good Thursday night games there has. this year, which is very surprising. Um, move on to the Bears against the Giants. Uh, Giants with a just a brutal, tough loss last week, blowing a 19-3 lead against the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, they are back at home playing the Bears, but I think uh, the Bears, even with Chase Daniel, not Mitchell Trubinsky under center this week. I think they're still going to take this victory. Yeah, I have to agree with you there. Um, the Bears are a very solid team. I know they're not like overly spectacular or haven't had any massive wins, but they should beat the Giants fairly easily. Yeah, I, I agree with that one. Cardinals-Packers, uh, a lot, one of the bigger stories this week has been Aaron Rodgers talking about uh, potentially winning out to get into the playoffs. Um I think they'll win this game. They're at home. They're playing the Arizona Cardinals. Not really the strongest offense in the NFL. I think the Packers are going to take this one. Mm, yep, I agree. I don't really have much to yeah. add on that end. Uh, Colts-Jaguars, uh, big game as well. I, the Jaguars are definitely going to want to play spoiler to the Colts' playoff uh, playoff aspirations. Um, I'm going to take the Colts here. I just don't think the Jaguars have it together at any point. Uh, yeah. and they, they lost to the Bills last week, I think, right? I, I believe so. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, first of all, I agree with your prediction, but what do you make of the Jaguars and Blake Bortles right now? I don't think Blake Bortles was ever the answer at quarterback for this team, even though he had a decent season last year. I think this defense definitely helped him out. Um, but you're seeing it's sort of that Mark Sanchez case where his uh, running game and his defense, along with just average – quarterback play allowed him to get that deep to the AFC championship game but I think they definitely got to look in another direction I think Bortles has had plenty of uh, a long enough leash in the NFL I think it's you got to cut him loose at some point Uh, Browns Texans 
This game sort of intrigues me a little bit because uh, I think it's going to be a good game. I like to see. I like this matchup: Baker against uh, Deshaun Watson. Um, I am going to go with a hot take here, and I'm going to take the Browns on the road here. I uh, I'm going to take the Texans. I think their offense is really good, and yeah. the Browns. I, I think it's going to be a good game. Like I said, I think they're going to put up a challenge, but I think it's going to be too much of them. All right, Panthers at the Bucks. Uh, I'm going to take the Panthers here. I don't think there's any question why you wouldn't take the Panthers here playing yep. a subpar Buccaneers team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you pretty much said it. Yeah. Uh, Bills-Dolphins, uh, AFC East matchup. I got to look at the standings here. I want to see how far back the Bills are. Bills are four and seven. Miami five and six. So this could be really more of a wild card game here uh, for their wild card aspirations. This could be the nail in the coffin for Buffalo, or it could propel the Dolphins to a 500 record. I'm uh I'm gonna have the Dolphins here. They play at home. They play in Miami. I think they're gonna. Yeah, I will. I will agree with you on that one. Uh, they really need this game. I think they're gonna go and uh, they're gonna take this game here. Uh, Broncos against the Bengals. Uh, Bengals tough loss last week to the Browns, um, and I'm I'm gonna take the Bengals rebounding against the Broncos who uh, who also need this game as well. I'm uh, I mean both teams are five and six right now, so it should be an interesting game. Yep. But I'm gonna take the Broncos here to win. Uh, I think that right now they've got a very um, what am I even saying, bro? Like <laughs> I got yeah I got I like lost my train of thought. But no, right now, yeah, I'm going to take the Broncos right now. I think they have a good offensive line. And, uh, yeah, I think they should pick up the win against the Bengals. All right. Let me move on to the next one here. We'll go the Ravens against the Falcons. Now, I really like this game. I'd like to see uh, Lamar Jackson take on this Falcons team. And I am going to go with another maybe hotter take that Lamar Jackson takes his team on the road. And gets the Ravens a victory. I think so. I mean, Lamar Jackson right now is a starter. He's 2-0. The Falcons, I don't have a lot of faith in them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you. Um, yeah, I think the Ravens. Let me go with the Ravens here. Let me just look at the NFL standings. Yeah, right now the Ravens are the final seed if the playoffs start today in the yeah. AFC. Um, you know, they've got Indianapolis breathing down their throat with the same record. Um, bless you. Bless you. <laughs> um, let's see. Yeah, I, I I like the Ravens, and you no, know, this could be Lamar Jackson just taking this job away from Flacco the same way Brady did, which I hope happens back in the day with Drew Bledsoe. Um, next game we got going on here: Rams against the Lions. Uh, Rams, one of the hotter teams in the NFL, one of the dominant offenses in the NFL. I'm gonna take. Uh, LA taking this one. I'm gonna take the Rams. Ten and one right now. Should make it eleven and one. Yeah, just a very very strong uh, team right now. Move on to. I think we got a couple more games here. Uh, Yeah, I got a little more handful of games. Chiefs against the Raiders. Uh, Very good against very bad here. I think the Chiefs are gonna pretty much pull them out. Yeah, it's what you said. Very good against very bad. Very good will win. Uh, Jets Titans. I again, I feel bad for anyone who's gonna be forced to watch or work for that one this Sunday. Um, but I'm, gonna, I'm sadly, I'm gonna say the Jets are gonna lose this one to to the Titans. 
I'm gonna have to agree with that. Um, both teams. Let's just make it clear they are not good. But yeah, I will say I do like what I saw out of Josh McCown last week. I know he played a. You know, you're not gonna beat Tom Brady with Josh McCown, but I I do like uh, the game he had last week. Vikings against the Patriots. This almost was uh could have been the Super Bowl last year, mm-hmm. but Brady at home, Patriots at home. I don't think Should it's any question. Yep. Uh, yeah, Patriots just slowly dominating the NFL like they normally do. Um, obviously, they're, they're really the Spurs, where you know they don't. They are. And, uh, they're going to try to win every game, but they know what to do once they get into the postseason. Uh, 49ers at Seahawks. Uh, I think the Seahawks are going to take this one. Uh, let me see where they are. Se- Seahawks need this game. Um, Six and five right now. Yeah, I could be wrong. I think Washington. Yeah, Washington's playing the Eagles, so you know this is a big game for uh, for Seattle if they want to pass even uh, Minnesota or Washington. Where are they in the standings right now? They are the seventh seed, so they are still alive in the postseason, but they have the same record as Washington, who is uh, six five and zero, and Minnesota is six four and one. And we just talked about that. Minnesota is taking on the Patriots this week, so you could see potentially see them lose, mm. and we'll get to the Redskins and Eagles, but you could probably potentially see them lose as well. Yep. Um, yeah, I like Seattle better than Washington and Minnesota, though, for sure. Um, Chargers-Steelers, this is probably going to be the game of the week. It is the primetime game, um, and I'm going to take the Steelers getting a big win against a very good uh, Chargers team. I um the Chargers are gonna be missing Melvin Gordon, which is Big obviously loss. a significant blow. I um I'm gonna have to take the Steelers, I think. Steelers, yeah. Steelers, well, uh this is really the four and the five seed in the AFC right now. This even though the Chargers have one more win. Mm. But yeah, I, I like the Steelers taking this game. Big Ben at home. Um but this is definitely Ward, this definitely earns their primetime uh, slot. It's definitely a game worth yeah. watching. Redskins-Eagles, this is uh, this is going to be a fun one to watch. A big <laughs> rivalry game. Uh, the Eagles, they're sort of hanging in there, five and six. Um, you know, with a Cowboys loss potentially, which I, we, I think we said was going to happen. Yeah, we did. And uh, Washington loss could potentially tie them up and – Really take Philadelphia back into this race in a very rough, rough season. I uh I like the Eagles here. Though they're playing at home, they should be motivated for this game. I mean, if they're not, that's a big problem. So yeah, I'm gonna take the Eagles, and I'm gonna take them by a considerable margin. Considerable margin. I uh, I like that. I think Philadelphia is gonna need this game. Uh, for sure. I I think they will. They will win this game as well. Uh, before we close out here, just want to take a look at the playoff picture for the AFC and the NFC. Right now, the two teams earning buys in the AFC will be Kansas City and New England, uh, which is not really surprising here. The Texans and Pittsburgh are your three and four seeds, and the Chargers and the Baltimore Ravens are your five and six. But the Colts are firmly in it. The Colts are six and five. Miami Dolphins, five, six, and oh. I would say the Dolphins, the Bengals, the Broncos, and the Tennessee Titans are all five, six, and zero. So you really have, you know, from from five all the way down to eleven, maybe even twelve, if you want to throw in the Browns, are still alive in the AFC. And then you look at the NFC, New Orleans and the Rams, ten and one, which I really want that to be 
yep. the <laughs> NFC Championship game more than anything. Um, but Chicago and Dallas are limping into a four-seed right now. But even in the NFC, four through, I would say four through ten, even Green Bay is somehow still in it, four, six, and one. Um, out of these four teams, Seattle, Carolina, Philadelphia, Philadelphia and Green Bay, these are all four teams that are out of playoff contention right now. Which one do you think will sneak or maybe assert its way back into the playoff picture? I'm going to have to take the Panthers here, sneaking back into the playoff picture. I would like it to be Philadelphia just due to personal bias, but I don't really see that happening. Um, I'm going to go Seattle here. Uh, Okay. I... I, I really like Russell Wilson, a quarterback, and I think uh, Pete Carroll really wants to get this team uh, into the postseason and really – he really wants another Super Bowl chance considering what happened the last time he was there. Even though he's already got a ring, I think he really should have two right now. Um, then we'll just quickly do the AFC. Indianapolis, Miami, Cincinnati, Denver, Tennessee. So five teams – any of those teams you think is going to come back and uh, get a playoff spot? Um, shit, all right. Let me, give me the five teams again. You got the Colts, you got the Dolphins, you got the Bengals, the Denver Broncos, and the Tennessee Titans. The Bengals? I'm the Bengals? Uh, personally, I, I look at the six teams in front of them. I don't see them dropping anywhere, so I, I don't think any of these teams will get in. But if I had to choose one, I would say the Colts just because Andrew Luck has had a phenomenal season and they're really getting a little bit of momentum going there in Indianapolis. Uh, and that should just about do it for, for this week's yep. You want to take this closing? Um, any plans for the rest of the day? Uh, I got to work on an article, which I think you know a little something about. Maybe. Uh, as you are the – what are you the – the you're not. You're not the chief. Megan's I'm, the chief. You're, I'm the chief. You're the chief. She's the manager. She's the manager. She's the managing. Got company. it. Got it. And I'm just. I'm just the. You're the um, head copy. I'm the head copy editor. Um, but yeah, I got to work on this article. Um, I got a class at two thirty, but I think uh, you want to take close this one out. Do your Mariano Rivera. Be be the closer here. All right. Well, thank you guys for tuning into the fourth edition. Of the Martinez already? Marcelo Jeez. podcast. We hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving last week. I know that we had a good one for the most part. And um, yeah, so make sure to share this. Tell you all your friends about it. And we'll be back <laughs> next week for more. And keep your eye on, keep the, your ball. Eye on the ball. Keep your Atta eye boy. on the ball. Keep your eye on the ball, ladies and gentlemen. All right.